Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Forty. Hey, fellas. And Ham. Yep. Uh, Birdie's out tonight. He's got some family dues, and uh, PM's going to be out for about the next month at least. Uh, he's just got some stuff that he's got to deal with. Um, so we'll jump straight into it. The first grade review: Dragons twenty, Eels eighteen. Try scorers: Bevan French, Jared Hayne, and Nathan Brown. Uh, I think Birdie in the preview said that you were going to hate the uh, the penalty goals, Ham, and he was right on the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was already I was already angry about that, but then when you say you know you, you, it's another game where we scored the same amount of tries as the opposition, and it's I was glad we didn't take the penalty goals early on because we're not going we weren't going to win. Well, I thought we weren't going to win by penalty. By yeah, I, penalty I agree goals. with that philosophy that I. I think you're right about saying that in that, yes, we had two early shots at the penalty goals, but I think taking the tap and trying to force a try was the right idea given where we're at in the season. Yeah, just, you know, make sure we run as much attack as we can as possible, try and run the defence out rather than taking two. We're not, we can't, we're not that sort of team. Um, maybe if we were a bigger team, um, we can afford to take the two, but with our mobile pack, we've actually got to make sure we've got the ball in hand rather than... Um, in our own defensive uh, half. So, what's the difference between winning and losing a tight game? I mean, um, do you going want to... for a forty twenty yeah. or? <laughs> I, I was going to say one Will Smith, yeah. but <laughs> that, that, that was what I was going to offer as well. Uh, I hate the scapegoater guy, but geez, he had a, a self-destructive sort of eight-minute stint, didn't he? Uh, it was something else. That that was poor carriage-esque. There's just oh. we had the game well. You know, if he didn't, he didn't throw that forward pass to Norman, which I don't think was needed because, um, you know, go, I, haven't, I haven't rewatched the game. It's too heartbreaking. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't think Norman was overrunning the play, so he didn't really need to throw a forward pass there, which that would have sealed the game. And then um, he f- flung the ball over uh, Moses' head when we were on a sort of a garbage set. Which led to the Matt um, Dufty kick return line break as well. Yeah, and then obviously we all know about that um, attempt at a forty twenty on the third on the third tackle up up by four with four minutes to go on the third tackle, and you had two red hot halves for the first time all year. Both Mitchell Moses and Corey Norman were on fire in the same game, and he chose to override both of them. He, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys can recall, but. He, Quinton Gufferson was right at the bottom of that frame and he just lost his marbles. He just, you know, he just cussed something fierce. And <laughs> when, I can't when you look him. at the play, when you look at the play, he had Moses on his right, Gutherson on his left, um, you know, pushing up, looking for a running play, take advantage of the uh, retreating it, it defensive. Came, it came line. off a, a big a charge, that's right. It was a fast play. There could have been a little outside inside or, you know, something different there. Might have been able to catch a few lazy defenders out. But no, goes for forty twenty, which was a glory play, which it wasn't needed. Um, miss kicks it and it goes out. So yeah, and then we know the, the what happened after that. I mean, interestingly, it seems to be the first time there's going to be some. Well, maybe not the first time, but there's an immediate repercussion to the response of that performance. Um, obviously, we'll cover it in the preview, but with Paramount having the bye, Will Smith will turn out for Wenty this week. So it looks like there's a bit of accountability for those actions, at least. I think BA, <clears throat> sorry, in his press conference, whilst not naming Will Smith, I, th- I think it was pretty clear yeah, he was talking buts, about yeah. when he was talking about individual efforts. 
And it's it's such a shame because that was vintage 2016, 2017 Parramatta football. And I know people will say the Dragons had a lot of players backing up from the representative round, but the Eels had, <clears throat> I think, was it three or four players, um, along with losing Manu Ma'u for the season. So we didn't come out of that round unscathed. And um, we had just, you know, even less to play for than the Dragons who were trying to stay on top of the, um, the table. And we came out and punched them in the face and had them reeling. And then, you know, just a, a manic eight minutes, you know, where Will Smith and a little bit of um, lapse in defense across the team led to the Dragons sneaking win. But that was a, a really good game prior to that. So just running through the stats, Dragons 51% possession. We both completed 82% with 40 sets each. One penalty goal, of course, to the Dragons being the difference. Uh, all runs pretty similar. We outgained Dragons by 70 metres. Our post-contact metres were 20 metres less. Uh, three line breaks to two, we won. Uh, we held the ball this week. Uh, two offloads to six. Kick metres, 700 metres to 568. And as you touched on before, 40. Um, the halves kicking game was, was, was really good, kicking to the corners, pinning them down, especially Matt Dufty. Um, I thought our kick chase was a lot better, although I guess on one or two occasions we let it slip in it that was, second It was half. The, the lapse from Takarangi, who was looking to make a big play, obviously, after that errant Will Smith pass where he let the, the line, uh, line bracket go. But it, it's shocking. Like, you know, Mitchell Moses... My biggest criticism has been his kicking game, really. He's been over-enthusiastic in other regards, but all of a sudden he remembered how to kick to the corners, and the vaunted St. George pack was completely you know, nullified. We we were just running rampant over him through the middle, and they could barely get out of their own half, all because Mitchell Moses kicked low and hard to the corners. It was such a simple but effective game plan, and it just leaves me wondering where it's been all year. And this isn't just directed at Mitch. This is across the whole team. You know, We've had lapses in every every aspect. Um, but him and Corey just sort of forgot that fundamental aspect of the game. And it's amazing when you execute it well, what happens? We had the, you know, one of the premiership favourites just rocked and reeling. And then just to finish the stats off, um, we made an extra 40 tackles with two less missed. And the big difference here is in discipline. 10 penalties to six. Um, usually you're going to get it uneven when you're playing in front of that Wollongong. Uh, was it Wollongong? Where was that? I can't remember which wind stadium, whether it's Wollongong yeah, yeah, or Congra. <laughs> um, 10 to 6. And uh, errors 9 to 7. Uh, poultry crowd of under 7,000 Thursday night. A bit of rain. Mid-season, middle-origin period. So I guess that's why crowd was down. Um, but we pretty much won on paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I did want to touch on a couple of individual performances. Murata Kore on that left second row position, slotting in for Manu Mayu. My boy Simba. Um, I'd, like to, I'd, like, I'd like to see him play um, a couple more first grade games starting in that position. It seemed like a, a young Manu Mayu on that left yeah, edge. Yeah, he did a fair impersonation, didn't he? And then also Jared Hayne, um, another great uh, performance at centre. So that's a try in all of his last... Is it four games now he's on a streak? Is it three or four games? I, I can't um, remember. Four tries in three games, I think it is. There we are. So I was close. <laughs> I had all the numbers, just not in the right <laughs> order. <laughs> um, and then Timmy Manor with that break through the middle. Ooh, that was Timmy from, from when he was playing Origin Days. <laughs> not even then. I think that was, what, under 10s? Probably would have been. <laughs> Vintage yeah. Tim. A bit of a question and, mark on the past the Bev, but geez, it was good to see Timmy make a big play like that. Yes, uh, I think we could all say that it was forward, but you know, sometimes you get those calls, sometimes you don't. So I said um, a couple of weeks ago that if um, if you throw a pass three metres forward, they don't call it, so... <laughs> you're not you know. wrong. 
<laughs> but nobody could keep up with Timmy, so nobody was in line with him. <laughs> yeah, he was pulling away from the chasers. <laughs> um, and I thought Penny Terrapo off the bench again. He's been fantastic all yeah, this season. He's, um, he's been he's really good, hasn't he? He's somebody that we should look to uh, to, to to keep in the pack, I think, for next season. Um, but, uh, and Nathan Brown again also returned. Oh, and somebody I didn't touch on, Clint Gutherson at fullback. This is the mm-hmm. first game he looked to be back to uh, his strides coming off the back of that ACL injury. Um, he was directing play in the opposition 20, um, also taking the line on, creating chances, and really went looking for the ball. And also Bevan French as well, I guess, around the middle of the ruck when um, we were starting to break through their middle. He was searching, coming in off his wing to get involved. Um, so really, all, all, all the players had a had a good game. Um, even Cam King had a good game. Um, I thought Alvaro might, was, was a little bit quiet, but that's probably because the rest of the pack actually stood up for one week. Um, yeah, I can't really say anybody other than, you know, we had to single players out, but Will Smith. I saw some legitimate criticism of, of Gufferson's defensive play at the end of the game as far as not being there to um, nullify the kick from Ben Hunt. But I agree with your sentiment that that was the first time I've seen him this year look like he's he's comfortable, that he's back, willing to take on the line at speed and create options from there. And, you know, we got to see some really nice ball playing from him. And it was really unfortunate that Will Smith pass was caught for, I mean, correctly caught forwards because he laid on a really nice ball at the end of that backline movement so, yeah, really promising signs on an individual basis, and even as a team. That was our most cohesive team performance from 1 to 13 and 15 to 17 um, in a long, long time. Pause. And I think that's valid criticism against Gutherson, but I would just say in his defence that he was making those cover tackles on the other side of the yeah, field. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah, your job as a, um, as a fullback is to get back behind the play, but he was also on that it wasn't the last tackle so he was still playing within the line yes, as well right. and that, that would so, be a good counterpoint to that but that that's the sort of pros and cons that come with this uh, in vogue style of keeping your fullback in the line for early tackles and there's plenty of merit to it but it does come with the you know the risk of a good kick can catch you um, <clears throat> short which unfortunately it did so round 17 before we look like the team we did in the pre-season uh, pretty disappointing, but it also shows um, the difference between having uh, your full squad back, um, which I thought this was our best backline that we've showed all season, um, and and uh, you know having players changed in. I think we're up to 28 used players this season, only outscored by Manly, who I think have 30 now that they've shoveled off Hastings and <laughs> and the other oh, player. Dear. So. Uh, and I mean, there's that. I can't remember the exact um, numbers, but there's that ridiculous stat where Parramatta have had like three or four players play every game this season. It, it's two now. So two, we had two two players start every game this season. The Dragons had fourteen. Wow, um, that I sort mean, of shows you the difference. And that that's the element. And I'm not going to use this as an excuse for our failings, but that's the element of luck you need to be successful at the highest level is having that week to week consistency via health and a lack of injuries. And the Dragons have had it, so good, good to I'm um, good on them in that regard. All right, well we'll jump into ISP. Uh, another not so positive result. Uh, Jets 50, Wenty 24. Um, although in a positive, Greg Lalesi well picking up another try. Other R scoring one, Miski scoring two, and Aono scoring one. Um, but the Jets, they were up. I think it was 34 to four. I th- yeah, oh, sorry, 32 to four at <laughs> halftime. 
Um, so I guess when he played on, uh, laid on a couple of late tries, but obviously not enough to get anywhere within the Jets. Fortunately, I missed this game due to work, so um, I'll leave the painful dissection to Ham and Hamish. Yeah, it was just at times there it just seemed like they didn't want to make a tackle. You know, uh, the Jets or the Blue Bags, as I like to call them, um, were just strolling through, and no one had any any um yeah willingness to tackle them we did look pretty good in there um when we were attacking but um yeah just not enough can't can't give up 50 points expect to score 51 yeah definitely not <laughs> wrong um i think the only positives out of this game um and would be two of their outside backs Greg Lalesiwao and also uh Akafalau as well. Um, they're two to keep your eye on. Other than that, there's not really too much chops hanging oh. around in, in reserve grade at the moment. Kane Evans oh. just stood there for a try and let it yeah. go straight past him. It's just... Yeah, uh, I, I can't see him being in I've, first grade again this year. I had Salmon as the man of the match. Purely oh, and Salmon as well. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, he was trying to look for the ball. He's not getting any help with... Um, who was the half? I don't even know. It wasn't even a run of tomato this week. It was someone... Doing um, Izzard, maybe? No? No, nah, it wasn't his. I know Izzard. Um, <laughs> Davies? Davies? Oh, yeah, Reece yeah. Davies? Reece Davies. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it just, he's not getting any help from there. Um, I think Celeste is a bit overweight. He needs lose a few kilos there. He's not getting any help with a hard runner on that edge. Um, he's trying his best, but he, I don't, he's, he's not a, a dominant half. We've got a run massive um, fullback. Yeah, he's, he's lost his spark that he had when he first came into the grade. Where um, you know, obviously being excited to play um, his first open age competition, but he's lost that spark that um, carried him through for those first first few weeks. And unfortunately, um, he hasn't had a dominant half alongside him, so he's had to take up a fair bit of slack that he's probably not used to. Um, you know, he's more of a running and pass, not really a kicker. Um, sort of plays what's in front of him, so. Yeah, it's just it's disappointing to see him not play as well as what he has done in the past, but not getting any help from anyone else to actually make sure he can put on in a better performance. All right, well, I'll jump into the flag, which had a bye, and then in the women's premiership, Wenty going down 50-0 to nil against Cronulla Caringbar. Um, they've approved every game against Cronulla, um, lowering the, the scoring gap. Uh, but it's not great for uh, Wentworthville. I think they've scored 40 points and let in about 600 and something or other. Um, so um, they're, they're averaging under a try a game and letting in, I think, an average of almost 60 points a week. Um, so uh, a very harsh uh, so they, they first hit, year in the women's they hit comp. They defensive benchmark this week at least. They, kept they did. They're lowering the scores every week, which I guess is a positive, um, mm-hmm. but... Um, I, I don't know if you can find too much positives out of that. No, it's just a harsh yeah. learning curve. And we've, we've um, discussed we've discussed it at length, haven't we? Both with the Tasha Gales and now with the the Women's Cup here. But um, they'll they'll be better for it. You know, it sucks for them losing and getting hammered every week. But where they're essentially rookies playing against women that are fairly seasoned in that competition, so they'll be um, you know, come back bigger and better next year. All right, and jumping into the Ron Massey Cup, 
uh, talking about Arana Tamata <laughs> scoring a double. Uh, Wenty 42, Hills District 14 uh, with Min Hinnick. I think that's how I pronounce it. Bagging a double as well. Bo Henry picking up one and Nick Cassis picking up one. Um, Bo Henry seems to have found a, a home in Ron Massey Cup. I, I'm not sure what's he playing contract like. I, I assume he could probably play in ISP at this point. Yeah, but this, this is a really odd situation, isn't it? That he's been there for most of the season. He's done really well in Ron Massey, but has not featured in ISP. So I don't know if it's a contractual thing or if it's just a, a personal preference not to play up. I don't know. Can't, couldn't tell you. Yeah, and with Wenty winning the Ron Massey Cup last year, maybe he just wants a, yeah, uh, a just trophy. trophy <laughs> in the... You assume he'd get more money playing ISP, though. That's the unless he, yeah, unless you said he, he he and the club wanted to play Ron Massey with all the amount of changes first grade makes to um, the ISP level. Maybe they want a steadying half, you know, someone regularly there in Ron Massey rather than swapping around all the time. I mean, for all his for all his flaws, he would have been a, a very handy, you know, piece. For the ISP team, so yeah, it's a really interesting situation, and I doubt we'll get. Unfortunately, I doubt we'll get clarity on it because that's a you know in-house sort of matter. And then jumping into the Shield twenty fifty-two over the Hills District six, um, so a good weekend in the Romassi Cup and the Shield with the Guildford Hours, of course, having a bye. Uh, so that wraps up the reviews of last week. We'll jump into some news. Uh, first item on the agenda, Bo Scott announcing his retirement. I understand that there's been a bit of back and forth between Scott's management and the Eels about extending for another year, um, but the Eels just uh, weren't willing to, to give him another go-round given his body. Um, and then, I don't know if anybody tuned in before the first grade game, but there was a great interview between Gaz and um, Bo Scott prior to the game. Um, so, uh, uh, probably not... Uh, the highlight of his career the last couple of years in the Eels, of course, that came with the Dragons, I guess. And um, But uh, a statesman, a headhunter, um, and I guess for the remainder of his time in the NRL, uh, Jonathan Thurston can sleep a bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of fitting that um, both Scott and Jonathan Thurston are finishing their careers um, in the same year. You know, Scott, when he first came to us, I think he was a... I didn't really personally like the signing, but what he did in that first year, um, bringing that mental toughness, bringing that defensive edge to the team, um, you know, really can't be, you know, it's not it's not written down on the stats sheet. It's not it's not something that um, can be uh, seen on paper. So hopefully um, we haven't seen it this year, but in coming years, with um, some of the younger players becoming more experienced, we see that. Uh, hard defensive edge that uh, Bo brought to the team. Do you have anything to say, Forty? Uh, I mean, Ham covered it pretty well, but you know, it, it sucks in one sense to see one of the real hard guys, you know, almost out of his out of his era. He doesn't really fit in. He he would have been right at home in the eighties, in the nineties when the game was played a bit, a bit more of an edge. Um, you know, he's the last of his kind, really, and he's um, hanging him up. It doesn't come as a surprise. I know you mentioned that he wanted to extend at one point, but. When you do your ACL at that age, you know, you've all but consigned yourself to a <clears throat> career-ending um, injury. But he, he did a lot of good stuff for Parramatta. I know he struggled in the last season and a half, but he was superb in his first year here. Um, really brought some grit and mongrel to the forward pack. And I'm glad that, you know, he, he did some good stuff for us. 
and unfortunately he goes out on a loan note, not just personally, but with the club struggling. So um, sincerely thank him for everything he's done for us, and I wish him the best in his um, ventures in uh, whether it's fishing or did he see something about arcades. He's got some um, interesting... Yeah, running an arcade business. Yeah, in- interesting post-footy um, career options now. That's pretty cool. So good on him. Thanks, Bo. I wouldn't even mind if the, the club offered a hand as some sort of forwards yeah, um, well, assistant that, coach or something That does like sound that. like a natural fit for him, doesn't it? You know, being the sort of hard-ass um, contact slash forwards coach. All right, then moving on to uh, more players shifting on. Uh, Matungi signed uh, with an ISP team. Um, sorry, I, I, I don't have the, the name of the team in um, front of me. Super League Huddersfield. Oh, Super League. Not ISP team, what am I talking about? Sorry. <laughs> Super, Super League quality can mad. dip sometimes. But no, yeah, the Huddersfield Giants under... Um, uh, who was the ex-NRL player that's coaching them? I saw I saw it on telly today. Um, Simon Wolford. Simon Wolford, that's right. Yeah, I knew it was a Canberra hooker. Yeah, Simon Wolford. Um, so we we touched on before some of those uh, fringe sort of forwards, your your fifth and sixth drop props, um, probably going to be moved on. And uh, Matungi's uh, found a home overseas. Uh, hopefully, he's getting a bit of a pay packet over there. Um, he had some good games, um, but a lot of it probably um, wasn't. All that great <laughs> from Matungi, unfortunately, yeah. uh, especially a lack, a lack defensively. Of yeah, a lack of consistency mostly in defence. Um, but he did have some, you know, iconic moments for a, a sort of compact prop. You know, he's built under 180, so he sort of had a disadvantage in that regard. But you know, he did some good things, especially for his price. And once again, you wish him the best moving on. And the Eels got to look to rebuild that roster for 2019. Yeah, I think that iconic moment came against Manly last year when it was Tapao versus Matungi, each running at each other off the back fence. <laughs> um, great memory, but uh, best of luck, Matungi, moving on. Um, and then we've got some news regarding the uh, under-20s origin. Two Eels named, Oregon Kafusi named for the Blues, and um, 40s man, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, it's cash money, fam. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. is a filthy Queenslander. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Justin Hodges is the, the coach for that Queensland team, so gosh, I hope he doesn't get tainted um, by that bloke. Starts, starts one for all, everyone. Uh, that'd be, um... Well, um, you know, he has been charged twice by the match review committee, so... Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> you guys lucky I wasn't on the podcast in recent weeks because I would have teed off on both of those. I can't believe we didn't fight. We didn't fight either of those charges and we got our just desserts for taking the early guilty plea on that dangerous throw against the Cowboys because it came back we, to haunt we, us. Yeah, we did talk about, uh, although when we had Junior Paulo, if you remember that game against Manly, he got done for some sort of sling that's, tackle, I think it was. That's right. But the, the, the magnitude of the difference in the potential punishments was huge, whereas Junior faced a... You knew if you lost with Junior, you're going to face, a, you know, essentially a two-month um, hiatus from the game. With Reed, you're looking at, I think it was still a one-week suspension if you lost the initial, uh, the initial charge. Just would have been more carryover points. 
So that that really disappointed me because I don't think Evil were a, a danger, like you know, a chargeable offense, especially the crusher tackle. Where that same round, I think there were two or three other instances of natural tackle motions causing a guy to be folded upon, rather than a guy you know manipulating his arms around the neck to to drop on him as as you know is a textbook crusher. And uh, Marnie's was obviously a case of a natural tackle motion just leading to an unfortunate situation. And it seems though that they've picked up on that. It doesn't matter if there's intent or not. If you're put into a dangerous position, that's it. But they weren't. They um, weren't consistent in the charging. The consistent in the charges. There were several other instances. There was two charged. I think it was um, uh, Reed, and then there was was it Tarek Sims or someone? I'm not, I'm not sure. There was another there, one. Charged. There was there was one just last week. I remember the Cowboys but game. I, I can recall. I can recall several instances that round because you know you sort of you you guess you're at the TV saying, but he got charged for that. Like how come this guy didn't get charged? Um, but yeah, luck at the, the draw, I guess. There's, there's been a bit of a crackdown. Tripping's been on the menu, that's for sure. Um, there've been a lot of penalties for tripping since um, Origin two, and the other and one was escort penalties. Escorts, the big that's one right. From last All of a sudden, week. out of nowhere, escort penalties are um are the rage, and we yeah. Uh, got you, a very, if you dive, you've got a, a <laughs> very very dubious. I mean, we received a, a contentious one. I'll freely admit when Bevan got one late, but he didn't dive. Tarek Sims obviously died on a guy that was holding his line. So, I, I don't know. Go figure. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just, it was on the tip sheet this week. So, uh, what can you do? Um, all right. Well, let's jump into the previews. Uh, this week, of course, no first grade. Um, but in the Shield, the Owls in 7th, taking on the Penrith Brothers in 11th at McCready Park, 1pm, Sunday, July 8th, followed by Wenty in 3rd position, taking on Cabra Matter in 6th position at Ringrose, 1pm, Sunday, July 8th. Uh, on to Ron Massey Cup, Wenty in first position, taking on Cabra Matter in fourth position at Ringrose Park, also on Sunday, July 8th. And to kick it all off that um, on that big weekend, uh, sorry, that big Sunday at Ringrose, the women in ninth position taking on the Bears in eighth position at Ringrose, 11am, um, to start off that Sunday action. So with... Wenty taking on the Bears, we'll get to see what the difference is. I think that the Bears it, it wasn't pretty last time. last time. Yeah, the, the Bears um, gave me a pretty solid run round. All right, we'll jump into the two games that are going to be played over in um, the is it the land of the long white cloud? Is that that is indeed? Yeah, that's that's indeed. <laughs> now we New are. Zealand's, um, um, other coin card. <laughs> uh, the flag Warriors in eleventh taking the Eels in sixth position. Um, now, you put the team list up before, and I might just go through them now that we don't have first grade this week, um, just so we can have a look at um, what our under-20s are looking like. Obviously, they won't have Oregon Kafusi and Reed Marnie won't be playing in either um, the under-20s or for the um, the ISP team. But we'll just go through that team. John Fanua, Hayes Dunster, and uh, Tafua Afu on the wings. Afolo and Akafalau. Noel, that is, in the centres, and Sapienza, Dylan Brown in the halves, Michael Tupu and Sean Kepi in the front row, and Aidan Carling at hooker. In the second row is Clifford and Nick Okla... <laughs> I'll start that again. Okla Nikov. Okla oh, That's the one. And Jesse Cronin in the 13 jersey. Um, Tapa Tautai in the 14. Steve Dressler, Uitaku Kamanu. Uh, Stefan- so Stefano, um, I think we touched on his under-18s performance. Well, I think I did anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so Stefano's one to keep your eye on. Yeah, um, he's he's been uh, sort of one of those blue-chip guys for a, quite some time. Just 
it's been a case of nurturing him through this difficult phase of uh, growth physically. He's, you know, accumulated a few injuries here and there. And, um, you know, this season's been about just staying on the park and he's done a good job of that so far, knock on wood. And then 17, Vagalu. And then Faulkner, Ward, Harris, Parry and McGregor rounding out the extended bench. You okay there, Rebs? Yes, sorry. Sorry, sorry. sorry I, mi- I missed that. I said, you okay there, Rebs? Just trying to rattle off yeah. all, the, um, all the names. Well, the, the last one's were the easier ones, so I don't know why I was hush- <laughs> rushing through them. <laughs> That's right. There's some mouthfuls in there. Um, so, uh, I, I like um, Dylan Brown in the halves, um, but number nine, Carling. Um, I haven't seen much of him. Do, can yeah, you guys shed a bit of light like- on the... Being one of the relief guys, as the team sort of um, battled to fill the hole left by Reed Marnie's promotion to the ISP, uh, it's been between him and Jaden Field. Is that right, um, Ham? Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I think they're also because um, Tapatutai was our SG Ball um, utility last year and yes. played a lot of dummy half. So I think it's um, he was injured at the start of the year. Uh, Kyle Schneider's injury, Reed Marnie being promoted. So you know, Aiden Carling, well, he does a he does a solid job there. He's just obviously not um, his fourth option um, yeah, currently. So we're pretty heavy on the depth charts now, uh, but yeah, he's one of those guys who does an honest job. You know, no frills, has a couple of good moments, makes the odd mistake as well, of course. But uh, our team's definitely geared towards Dylan Brown being the go-to guy. And if Jamin was back in the grade, it'd be split between him and Dylan. And that's probably, I don't know if we've touched on the podcast recently, but definitely some merit to talk about dropping the um, the flag-eligible ISP guys back down, given the Wenty struggles. But that's probably for another day, maybe. Well, they, they you, you gave them a blast. They went on a run. Maybe it's time for another blast. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Last time I, um, I fed them a little bit, they started you know tearing up the competition. They knocked off every top four team they played. We're on a hell of a streak, and now all of a sudden they're back to their old way. So I'm going to see how I go this week, and then we'll consider it next week. If they um they give me something to rev up about, they'll cop it. Sorry, the Eels one win out of the top four in the I uh, sorry in the flag um, with the Roosters in front of them after having a draw, and of course the Roosters putting a bit of score on us last uh, meeting. Um, as I touched on there, they only had 12 men for the last 10 minutes when I think Dragons scored four of their uh, sorry the Roosters scored four of their tries. Um, so the Eels should really get up for this game. Warriors winning three of ten, us winning seven of um, sorry. Winning three, losing ten for the Warriors, and us winning seven and losing six so far this season. Um, but the Warriors have a negative differential of 129, so we should be looking to to at least get the two points here and also try and help our differential, which is a lot better than the majority of the teams in front of us. So, um, bar the Knights, who are uh, far and far and above the, the the better team in this competition, uh, with their two young halves who have been extremely good this this year. And interestingly enough, Parramatta matched up quite well against Newcastle when they met earlier in the season. So we know this team's got plenty of capability to do those sort of things. They just need to find a little bit of consistency and um, knock off a couple of those. Like, win against the teams they meant to win against because they played against the Warriors uh, about a month and a bit back and they blew a half-time lead. So it'll be interesting to see how they rebound this uh, rematch. All right, and jumping into the ISP, um, which will see the Warriors... 
in 5th position, taking on Wente in 11th position at 1pm North Harbour Stadium. Um, I haven't checked the, the first grade draw, but the Warriors are in action this week, is that correct? Yeah, against um, Penrith, but they played a different... I was going to suggest they play at a different stadium. I've never heard of North Harbour Stadium being played in the NRL, so... <laughs> no, it's a, it's a rugby union stronghold. Okay, so is, is that still the North Island, or is that South Island then? At least I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's a. I, mean, I don't it's know. Island, but I'm pretty sure it's Auckland. Okay. okay. All right. I think just having a quick look. Um, yeah, Auckland. All right, not a problem. Well, let's jump into the team list, which we'll see. Abbas Miski in number one. Um, have we got any news on our um, fullback? What What's happened to? The Lebanon hero, yeah. No, he, nah, he popped nothing. up. He popped up on um, social media a couple of times, but never talking about like as if he's been involved with the team. So, either he's had a season-ending injury, or he, I don't know, part of ways with the club. Couldn't tell you. So, all right, and then jumping into the wingers, uh, Dana Kafalau on the wing this week, and Greg Lelesi well on the other wing in the uh, uh, centres of R and Nathan Davis. Um, it has Hoff, Hoffman must have an injury if he's not playing, I guess. That or he's in first grade contention, but I'd say it's an injury. Um, because Okay. Yeah, and then I the halves, Jamin Salmon, and as you touched on before, Will Smith. In the front row, Sui Matangi and Kane Evans. Kayser Pritchard getting some more miles in his legs. That should be, should be a dominant front row, but it's not. God damn it. Mm. <laughs> uh, Matt Woods in the second row, and Fiengo as well, and Daniel Dole in the 13. Then the interchange bench, Hiroti, Cassis, Peaky Rogers, and Eddie Aono. Um, so uh, that back line's probably one of the better ones we've fielded this year, I guess, um, which doesn't really say much. Um, the, but um, <laughs> From sort of number two to number 10, you know, that, that's on paper, it's, that's a, it's a really strong team, I reckon, for reserve grade. Then you throw in Flanger there. Um, but, you know, once you get down to the bench, that's where it starts to look pretty bleak. And I think that's where, you know, the Warriors do have a strong starting lineup. So once it gets to there, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty... I think it might be a bit of, bit of a smash-up this week. Well, I don't think it's televised, so you'll just have yeah. to... If, if you the, want to um, cover it, uh, new, new South Wales Live's the, the website that's right. to go to. And there'll be highlights, on you know, come Monday or Tuesday presumably. But I agree with him, it's going to be a tough one. The Warriors are always hard to beat over there. And, you know, on paper we've got a lot of talent, but the way we've played in recent times has been really, really um, flat line, you know. No no heart, no ticker, no commitment. All right, now, with the internal review happening at the Eels at the moment, we thought we might conduct our own little internal review as to what has gone wrong so far this season. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going to call it that. Get the, get the current, current <laughs> music started. <laughs> um, I'll start with mine. Um, well, not a current affair. Come on, we, we'd be something. We, we'd be more like... Today, um, tonight, at least. At least today, <laughs> tonight. I was thinking more of an ABC report. program, but... Uh, four Corners. Four Corners. Four Corners is what I was thinking, but, you know... Um, Wow, uh, we're held um, in such high regard. <laughs> I was one that Chasers always used to stitch up. Um, they did today, tonight, didn't oh. they? Anna Corrin. Anna Corrin, to... Anna bloody Corrin. That's it. <laughs> yeah, they they did a good um good number on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
go on. Sorry. Let, let, let's not be uh, too crazy about this all. <laughs> but I just want to start off, and um, we, we touched on in the pre-season and throughout the year, um, the hiring of the ex-GWS head of um, fitness and conditioning. And whilst we thought it was a good uh, recruitment in the off-season, I've got to say our, um, our strength through the tackles and also... Um, Football conditioning has probably been off this season, and I think that's probably got something to do with it. One, well, of course, we're missing our tackle coach from last season who's gone to the Rabbitohs, and look how well they're doing. Um, But two, looking on the other side, the boys look aerobically fit, but they just don't look rugby league fit. Yeah, I Um, I dare say if you did aerobic testing, they'd be, you know, as good as anyone in the NRL, but I agree that as far as a football fitness goes, we're definitely lacking, or maybe we're we're finally up to speed now over halfway through the competition, but through the first half competition, we were way behind the eight ball. I think it shows uh, in the way that we've lost a lot of games and we've lost Mm -hmm. them late um, or we're conceding points in the back end of halves. And I just don't think that, you know, the boys are able to to carry it out for that full 40 minutes. It seems you can see a definite drop off from about the the last eight to 10 minutes of a, of a half. Um, So I think that's something that whilst it was great to go out and, um, try and do things a little bit differently hiring a GWS you know head of strength and conditioning and and if you if, if anybody followed the the AFL uh, GWS would just beat other teams with their with their superior stamina stamina and fitness in the last couple of years um, so that was definitely a hallmark of their game but it just hasn't translated over to the uh, NRL game um, so that's my take we should probably be looking in that that department to to steady up um, and also uh, football manager was um, obviously Bo's put a lot of trust in in players that got a job done last year. But I think if you look back at our recruitment and retention this season, we've picked up Hayne, who's been injured. When he's been on the field, he's been good. Um, and Kane Evans was probably the bigger buy of the season, and he's he's got a couple of years to run. So I'm not calling it a dud or a bust buy at the moment, but it certainly hasn't lived up to the potential in the first year of the deal. Um, so I'll throw over to you, gents. Whoever wants to go next. I've got to think for a while, 41 to go. <laughs> yeah, for me, when you look at it, I take away the recruitment, take away the fitness, which, you know, they're huge factors and they're probably the most important factors. For me, it's what has been most disappointing is the complete lack of football fundamentals on the field from core players. I mean, we, we touched on it every week. You know, we talked about why are we doing these midfield bombers? Why aren't we kicking for the corners? You know, why are we not playing our you know, possession game, which allows us to then play elaborate and expansive when we come into our own in the game? And just week after week, we saw us making the same errors and not being, whether, it, I don't know if it, was, if it wasn't addressed on a training level, but it wasn't being addressed in the game itself. So it's hard to tell whether the, you know, the players were taking their own initiative and going away from the game plan, was the game plan not being adjusted. But those weekly fundamental failures really, you know, eroded my patience, you know, and especially when you're blogging on a weekly basis like I, like I do at TCT, and it's hard not to, you know, start spitting out the same stuff, you know. Why are fifth tackle options so dry, um, dire, sorry? Um, you know, why can't we hold on to the ball? What's happened to our, you know, contact? You know, where's just the the patience? And if it was a one-off last year, I'd say, well, maybe it was a flash in the pan, but we know for a fact that the Eels have been building this way for a couple of years. Um, you know, 2015 was a bit tough because Jared's sudden departure, but the team still played good, gritty, fundamental football. And in 2016, when the world was against us, they, you know, rallied spectacularly. And once again, playing tough, gritty football, 
You know, they earned their right to attack expansively. And when they did, they did a, a good job of it. <clears throat> and that culminated last year where we were a top four team and was easily the only credible threat to Melbourne in the, the finals. And this year, it's all gone out the window. And so I'd like to know why beyond fitness and beyond recruitment and, you know, beyond any missing assistant coaches or support stuff, how could 17 players on game day and obviously more, you know, we're talking about 28 being used this season, how could 17 players every week forget to play a style of football that has been deeply ingrained into them over the course of, you know, 36 months? Uh, and that's what I'd like to know. Well, it's certainly a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, Ham. Yeah, um, Forty touched on it. I I guess that's where I'd be looking to now. Is um, you know, our our attack. We've got Corey Norman, Mitchell Moses, Clint Gutherson, Bevan French, Jared Hayne, um, Michael Jennings. You know, and we're not. I I think at the start of the year we were playing playing too erratic to try and score points. I think we've looked a little bit more comfortable, sort of in the past couple of weeks when we've slowed down a little bit. But with that amount, with that amount of attacking ability. Um, we're still struggling, you know. I, I don't think set plays aren't really. They happen when you can work them out, you can get field position, but it's getting into that position to be able to work to a set play. So our attack, to me, is our biggest deficiency at the moment. And that might seem weird because it, you think our defence, but you know, it's. I think it's a lack of um, being able to put pressure, put kicks into the corners, um, which then in turn gives teams better field position where we're dropping the ball a lot more gives them more position so you know our defense and eventually our fitness will look worse because we're not doing what we need to do in attack i think we do need a new attacking coach um we've had steve murphy in there since 2014 so a change could be really good there um i'm happy with the direction of the team um of the way we're going, I like the way the way Brad wants to us to play is, you know, play tough, um, try and play sets. But so obviously, the the micromanaging there of different players isn't isn't getting through at the moment, which is our, our obviously m- must be the attacking coach. So I think a new attacking assistant um, is possibly needed. Uh, just going on the fitness um, thing, yeah, that's been. Um, really disappointing because you know I, I've that's yeah it's yeah, not work out fair way to go um our juniors I keep up a lot of them I think um not bringing in one uh round seven that was that was a I'm not sure if that was a cost cutting move or if it was a um whatever it was it wasn't it obviously wasn't the right decision um we can look back at that with hindsight and say it wasn't so a defensive coach definitely needs to be there um, from day one, um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot wrong, but when you add all up the little things, it becomes a big <laughs> thing, and that's why we've only won three of the three uh, games this year. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. Sort of, um, you know, if if you want to look on the bright side of life, um, with all these losses, is that we can bring this review forward which every team or every club does at the end of the season we can bring it forward to now so we can be on the front foot in uh, making those changes getting the best people in um, before ahead of time of everyone else that's a good way of putting it Ham. 
it's stuff that can be rectified within the course of one off-season slash pre-season to get us right back into contention for next year. But the club needs to make sure this review hits the mark uh, on their end and they address it um, fast, you know, whether it's support staff, whether it's recruitment, whether it's training, um, all these little things that add up to a sum that is greater than the individual parts. If you can fix that now, you can be right back in top eight and premiership contention in 2019, or at least that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if anybody took um, modern history in either uh, year 11 or 12 um, or at university level, but one of the things you had to do was sort of analyse the uh, what led to the beginning of World War One, And it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't Franz Ferdinand getting shot. It was, uh, you know, about 100 different things. And that's what it feels like you're looking looking at a, a review of the eels. It's about it's all those little additions, as Ham was saying, uh, that have added up to one big problem. Um, and I still think BA is the right person to lead us through to next year. Um, but I think with the trust that he places in his players, you need do need to have somebody in that recruitment retention who's making the tough decisions. Because um, I think at the back end of last year, while well, they did a job, you know, players like Bo Scott, players like. Um, Sui Matangi, Vave, etc., who have done a job previously, just they weren't going to be able to do it again. Um, I also think, um, you know, at the times when we signed Bo Scott, signed Matangi, signed Vave, um, we were desperate to bring in players. So with them um, coming off contracts, like I think Matangi was signed after Danny Wicks retired. So, you know, that Danny Wicks, while he was on his way out, um, he was still a fairly good, fairly good player, still a first grade player. So, you know, obviously Matangi wasn't our first choice, but to get him here, we had to give him that two year deal. Um, you hope that with the new um, administration and with um, a new CEO in place, that the deals are better catered towards the club rather than the player, because we've seen um, with Michael Jennings, he had that four year deal, but the two, two year years, player option, yeah. player option, you know. And- Hamish made a good point, and this comes for us at least with the perspective of being pretty um, heavy NFL fans. You have that dichotomy of a, a coach that has a strategic vision for his team and a general manager that will execute that vision on a personnel level. And I think that's where you're sort of looking at for a football manager is a guy that works with the coach to execute his vision on the personnel basis, but he sort of cuts the the, the personal ties. You know, he doesn't let players have as many favours in their contracts in their way and then sort of working towards that club angle and that's hopefully what this review will get about to, to doing is um, cutting out the personal level and letting the club be uh, more efficient on macro and micro level when it comes to contracts and scouting and I guess one thing that's positive if you're looking at the outlook uh, we haven't tied ourselves up in a knot in regards to our uh, salary cap um, if you look at couple of the other strugglers uh, this year, well I guess anybody in the bottom of the eight would be considered struggling this year considering the, yeah. um, the, the level of the competition yeah. um, well it's six point gap now between eight and nine so yeah, crazy. Um, but if you're looking at some of these other teams like the Titans, they're in salary cap trouble, Seagulls in salary cap trouble, Bulldogs in salary cap trouble, Cowboys have got a lot of strife uh, Cowboys have had to give up Ponga last year um, but I guess they've got a couple coming off contract. Of course, Jonathan Thurston. I don't know but where Matt Scott's at. upgraded some guys that are struggling at the moment too. Cohen Hess is on good coin and has had zero impact Michael this year. Morgan as well. Michael Morgan had a purple patch last year but has faded significantly this year. So, so, the, so our, yeah. our salary cap position is quite good. It's just uh, 
as you were just saying before, 40, finding the right personnel to fit our playing style um, or the, the playing style we want to be playing. Um, so um, bringing in somebody in the off-season to sort of uh, fulfil that vision, that'll be the, the big uh, test to come. Um, but I don't think we're too... Uh, as silly as it sounds, you've won three from 13 games... Uh, sorry, three from 16 games. Um, I don't think we're particularly far off, and I think that's borne out by, if you look at the results, six games we've lost when scoring the same amount of tries as our opposition. Um, so if you flip that, and they were probably games we would have won last year... Uh, you're coming in with a record of nine wins and you're at the bottom of the eight along with the Broncos. Um, and I think if you look at the Broncos' record, they've probably stolen about three or four games um, through penalties. I think the West Tigers game probably sums it up the best in uh, Golden Point getting that penalty <laughs> um, right in front. Um, so it's it's not dire straits. Um, there's room to move, but obviously it's a very, very disappointing season considering where we started. Um, all right, well... That'll just about wrap it up. Uh, one other thing I didn't touch on in the news is the rumours of Blake Austin um, potentially securing a move to the Eels. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan if he comes across as a starting half. I think he has great energy and enthusiasm, and he is probably the nicest bloke in rugby league, given what you know you hear about him off to, um, outside the field. But I don't think he's a you know sort of finals calibre starting half. If he came across as a bench utility, I have a little bit of interest in it, uh, but that would mean you know predicated on him sort of swallowing his pride and expanding his repertoire of um of utility skills. So it has some merits. I wouldn't be too chuffed if he came across as our um, uh, first choice half to match Mitchell Moses, because presumably that would mean Corey moving on. And him? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I don't think as, as a starting half he's got. Um, the capable skills, but I think he's got, except for his defense, defensive decisions, um, which would be less in a hooker role. That you but, take you take that away when you're in the middle. The defensive yeah, decisions yeah. are much more binary. But um, you know he's got a, a good enthusiasm. He runs well. He passes well, uh, pretty decently. He's got a long kick on him. Um, so you know it's that utility role. He can uh, come in, play off uh, dummy half, and I hope that Reed starts next year. Um, so yeah, he can play there. We, he can fill in in the halves, or he can play in the halves. He's good enough to um, start in the halves at the moment. He's not going. I don't think he'll lose that much talent over an off season. Um, so you know, if we need him to fill in in the halves, he can go there. I think he's played a couple of games at fullback. I wouldn't. You know, it, it's all it's all utility based. So he's not playing eighty minutes there, and you're not expecting him to play week in week out. But um. Yeah, as as a, as a utility, I think it'd be a, a great option. He's um, obviously an Eels supporter from a long time ago. He's yeah, a mad Eels fan. Um, he's also a Dooney boy, and I went to Dooney High, so <laughs> you know, do, do, Dooneside represent there. Um, Respect two seven six seven. So yeah, if you know if he wants to come here and he comes here cheaply enough, um, yeah, I'm I'm for it. I I think we'll be, uh, be a sub we've got. Uh, 10 spot, 10 roster spots plus more if um, every player's on notice. How the clean out goes, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think they're the two main points. And if he's cheap the enough, cost. Well then, yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, the cost and the position. And everything we've heard in the media is that he's going to be coming across relatively cheap because he knocked back a couple of significant offers from Canberra and now he's sort of, you know, taking his medicine in that regard um, and, and maybe coming across on a one year prove it deal, you know, the NRL equivalent of. 
but yeah, you get him cheap, you get him as, in a flexible, you know, position, and maybe you got something to work with. Sounds like a, an upgraded Will Smith sort of uh, position. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's maybe he hasn't got the backline flexibility that Will Smith has, but he's got a bigger frame. And even though his skill sets arguably more limited than Smith, he executed at a much higher level with a strong running game. And you know he's arguably up there with Quinton Gufferson as the most fiendish, um, fiendishly active backup player in the uh, backing up guy. You know the sort of guy that always pushes through on support. You know if there's a line break. Blake Austin is in the frame backing up. So that's a pretty big pro to have on a that sort of skill set. And I guess the other pro is uh, we won't be a team falling. Well, the only team falling <laughs> for his dummy and go. <laughs> 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 um, all right. And there's some other little bit of news coming out about um, Seguiaro potential link-up. Um, Corey Norman and, and Seguiaro on the field at the same time in the same team. Um, that'll be something to behold. Yeah, you know, there's people saying, oh, you know, bring them to the same club, but I tweeted out earlier today, um, they already hang out together. Well, all they'll be doing at Parramatta oh, is yeah, training that, and they're playing not going to together. It's more mischief in that regard, yeah. It's not anything that's going to tr- dramatically change um, the way they interact with each other, like, you yeah. know, I mean, the people... Sorry, can I just stop you there just for one sec? Did you just say dramatically, Ham? Yeah, yeah. That? <laughs> I didn't fail in Hey, birdies, birdies, birdies are on here today, so Ham's doing, <laughs> um, channeling his spirit. Um, so yeah, it's not going to dramatically change anything, so... Um, <laughs> That's a double down, I love it. You know, the um, the, the people that are writing, oh, you know, bring them, bring them back together. I think, you know, you've got to ask them the question, um, do they only associate with people within five kilometres of their house? Um, obviously, they don't have any friends, um, so yeah, I've got no problem with James Seguiaro coming to the club to play with Corey Norman. I might be the only one, but it's not that, uh, not a problem for me. I, mean, I was trying to slip in Corey, dramatic Corey, again. Corey, <laughs> Corey already did his dumbest, you know, stint with the infamous sucker driving with Seguiaro in the background, if you, you know, if you've seen it, um, <laughs> without, without, you know, Seguiaro having anything to do with the eels. So, you know, that's pretty I'm much funny, a problem bro. for... Yeah, exactly. That that's a pretty much rock bottom when it comes to that professional relationship between the two of them. So it can't get any worse in that regard. But um, there's a lot of moving pieces to be um, figured out between here and then. You know, Corey's name has popped up a lot as someone that the Eels are potentially looking to move on. So who knows how that plays out? It's got uh, a bit quiet in the last week or so. Yeah, um, that, so. and you know that came off the back of a very good showing from Corey. So it, is that a coincidence? I don't know, but he came out and. That was the sort of game that, after all, the, you know, the noise that's been played out for him is the sort of response you'd like to see from him. So credit to Corey for that. He had a very good game against the Dragons. But yeah, a lot of moving pieces to be figured out for the Eels, as we've touched on. You know, Brad Arthur has 10 spots open, plus more, like Ham said before, if the you know clean-out happens a certain way. Um, but yeah, Seguiaro is a guy that is a potent attacking hooker, so it's hard to say no to his services if it is that um, the sort of guy that we're looking at. Oh, and one other thing when we're going into our, our um, full corners review, uh, that it slipped my mind, but it's just come back into it. Uh, we've looked, like, I, I, know we, I know we were terrible defensively against South in that second half, um, but at least attacking-wise, we've looked a lot better since that penalty crackdown finished. Yes, um, And I think, I think um, one of our real um, pros last year was our fitness 
And, and of course, that can only come into the fore if the ball is actually in play. Uh, and with the penalty crackdown this year, I think they were timing it, and the, and the ball was only in play for 40, 45 to 50 minutes uh, in, in a fair amount of games earlier in this year, and now it looks like the ball's in play for about 60 um, 60 plus minutes. So I'd go um, so far the- to suggest that we're a tempo attacking team. We don't build, like, we don't sort of execute off one set. We build our momentum across the course of several sets, and that allows us to open up the game in that regard. And when the game's so stop and start, it sort of usurps you of any of that momentum that you can um, build across, you know, uh, multiple possessions. Yeah, I agree with all that, 40. Um, so more flowing football uh, might see a uh, bit more positives this uh, it to the, to coming to the back third of the season. Um, but I think we've got enough in there to escape without the spoon. Um, obviously, we'd need the Bulldogs and the Seagulls go back to their losing ways. Um, I mean, I'm sure the rest of the competition like is that too, right? All right. Well, I think that'll about wrap us up for this week, unless you, you gents, want to touch on anything. No, I think we we had a pretty good um, analytical rant this year, um, this week. So, well done, boys. All right. Well, uh, we'll start. We'll, we'll finish with a bit of plugs. Um, PM Sports First Nambucca. Um I think he had jerseys on there for under a hundred bucks. So. Um, if you're still wanting to get some blue and gold gear this year, uh, double check out PM. I'm sure if you tell him that we sent you, um, he'll arrange for some sort of shipping deal or something. Um, and Birdie, uh, Mother Russia still in the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> uh, maybe a bit of silly buggers going on around there. Um, I don't know if anybody's watching the World Cup, but gosh, um, that was a very strange game. Um, it's been a strange World Cup. It, it has been. Um, oh. Bevan Heaven won. Sorry, go. Uh, you you want some NBA talk, I assume? Yeah, I, I was going to... I mean, obviously, the, all the big news is about LeBron's decision 3.0, I think we're at right now, with the Lakers and the meme team that they've assembled, and then the Gold State Warriors somehow getting even better. Like, God knows how he managed to do that. But how about the brawl? Uh, Australia versus the Philippines. <laughs> can, can you call oh it a brawl? God. Can you call it a brawl? What, there was, there was well, one, whatever there was, it is. There was one bloke there just jumping around over the top of everyone. I was like... Fon, fon does he even know how to fight? It was a Michael Jennings uh, Superman punch. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, wow. That was something. Uh, yeah, just on that, uh, for all you Lakers fans out there, you've, you've had a rough two years, but uh, things are looking up again. <laughs> um, sorry, nobody else found that funny. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, on to you, 40. Uh, I'm 40 20. Uh, regular, semi-regular as of late, uh, member of the Para Podcast. You can catch me and all my friends at thecumberlandfro.com. You can catch us on Twitter at EaglesTCT. Um, I've been a little bit spotty with my content on TCT lately because I've been facilitating uh, some um, technical stuff in the background, migrating to a new host. Um, that's been a, a fun crash course in uh, file transfer protocols and all that sort of stuff and figuring out where everything is on the C panel. But we're back. I'm back. Um, hopefully the Eels give me something nice to write about in the next couple of weeks. And moving on to you, Ham. Uh, yep, yeah, always on Twitter at HamSamish22. Um, yeah, some funny stuff up on there. As always, I'm a very funny person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, Ham. Yeah? <laughs> um, case a, in you, point. What was that? I said you're you're a hilarious person. Case in point. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
uh, gig on at the Hideaway Bar in Newtown for all you you know West hipsters that love the Power Podcast. I know um, I don't get any of the numbers, but I'm sure that you know 90, 95% of our um, listener base is in the inner west. <laughs> uh, I've got to get the Hideaway Bar. I'm not sure what time we're on. Um, that's on Thursday, the twelfth of July. So Thursday week, and uh, this week bit bit different in my music. Uh, selection, but this um, Melbourne electronic artist, Morning Maxwell, um, good mate of mine. It's just been putting out some really filthy tuners. Um, so if you love a if you love a boogie to some electronic music, check him out. You're not going to plug um, like Spotify's been accused of uh, plastering Drake's album oh, on absolutely every single yeah. playlist. <laughs> yeah, oh, I had a friend in the car the other day, and she was saying, oh. Listen to this Drake song. I just want to punch him in the face. That's the 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 Drake PR team and override oh, after um just, getting crushed by Pusher in the the rap war. So. Just just please stop Drake. You've you started from the bottom. Now you're here. <laughs> no, don't but, don't do it. But that, stop like, when you get stopped. Shitty shitty you, puns are my job. But even then, you can't use Drake puns, man. That is like a a tier <laughs> below anything that I do. Um, yeah. So just stop. You got you got to there. Um, yeah, stop now, Drake. You've you had a good run, um, but yeah, if you if you want to, <laughs> I'll rap battle you, Drake. I reckon I could beat ya. <laughs> there was a couple of actually good new albums out this week. Um, the Rubens new album was out. Gorilla's new album was out. Um, from anybody from the Vines, anybody like the Vines, they've got a new album out. Oh, so a bit of good music. Yeah, I remember the Vines. God. Mm. And Florence and the Machine, if there's any Florence and Machine fans out there. Um, since we're yeah, doing a bit cool of music, um, I, think they're, I think they're from Sydney. Press Club, they're a good punk band to listen to. They've uh, 29th of June, so yes. Yes, that was released um, since the last podcast. So yeah, check that album out, Press Club, Late Teens. Good album. Right, and now I'll try wrap it up with at Power Podcast and forward slash Power Podcast. Uh, now the buy this week for first grade, but then our next um, month of football, um, we're playing three bottom uh, eight teams. So uh, this is our chance to to get ourselves well off the bottom of the table. We've got to play Newcastle, who just got towed up by the Dogs. Then we've got to play the Dogs the week after, and no Callum Ponga. No, no Callum Ponga. Uh, no, um, their, their hook is gone as well. And oh, do yourself a favour and do tragic. not watch that footage. Oh. <laughs> he, he quite Slade Griffin quite literally tore everything that you can feasibly tear in your knee. That is, he's got no knee left. It's absolutely gone. tragic. Yeah, do yourself a favour. Don't watch that footage. And um, then, of course, we've got to play the Titans as well, who uh, put a bit of a clinic on the the Tigers, who were yeah ran the ran the Queenus for the, the Tigers. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. Um, thanks for joining us on the Power Podcast, and uh, we'll be back next week to review all of the action that occurred this week and um, also to preview the Eels' upcoming battle against the Knights. Cheers. See you later. Thank you, boys. Catch you next Thank you.